And Blink-182 fangirl. Hi, I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, and lover of office gossip. Oh, I love all gossip. Oh, yeah. You don't work in an office. Just give me your office gossip and I'll listen to it. I don't work in an office. Me, no. Well, this is an office. Okay. What do you think our producers are up to? It's <laughs> <laughs> probably like a full blood cult after I, hours. Well, let me in on that. Just I love be- to be a part of a group. <laughs> Just Between Us is a podcast about brutal honesty, female friendship, and completely unsolicited advice, and I guess also blood cults. What is a blood cult? You just share your blood? Yeah. Uh, Did you ever do that in elementary school? No one would do it with me. Do you know what I'm talking about, though? Where you, like, cut your finger and then you touch fingers in your blood sisters? That's so terrifying to me. It's a really bad idea. It's such a bad idea. We used to do it. Oh, God. We used to do it. Um, Anyway... Did you have, wait, so you didn't have, like, friends? <laughs> I had friends. I would just lose friends. Oh. So, like, I would go through periods where, like, <laughs> absolutely I had friends, and then they'd stop being my friends. I'm picturing, like, you're like, okay, at the four-month mark, this is when I ask them to do the blood thing. <laughs> and then, and then I it gets, never like, make it three to and a half months, month. and you're like, oh, I never make it to the blood thing. <laughs> That is so ridiculous. <laughs> Just the idea of you biding your time. No, like, I had friends. I feel bad saying I don't have friends because that's not an accurate representation of my yeah. life. I think I just um, really struggled within those friendships. Yeah. Because I was so unstable. Aww. Uh, I switched schools. Um, I, kindergarten and first grade and second grade, I went to um, one school. And then I switched schools in third grade. And that was like, that was a real shake em up. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't like... Once I switched schools, I was like, these kids aren't as good. (laughs) You could really tell with your discerning fourth grade taste. Third grade. I know. It was because I went from public school to private school. Mm. um, And I was like, these kids got real stick up their ass, huh? So my other school, it was like a free-for-all. Yeah. Everyone was just like, there was so many different types of kids. Everyone was like weird. I had one kid in second grade who convinced everyone that he was a robot. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because he had white arm hair. That's pretty cool. And so everyone was like, why do you have white arm hair? And he was like, I'm a robot. And we were all like, checks out. That honestly, if someone calls you out on something, just claim that you're a robot and then and then trick them and make them look like the fool. <laughs> That's what he did. It's brilliant. He and I like, love it. Well, aren't you guys idiots? Because I'm a robot. And we were all like, yeah, okay. I love that so much. Well, you got to turn, you got to put a silver lining on your white arm hair. <laughs> and a silver lining on our experiences is that we wrote a book. Oh, yeah. Did you like that transition? No, it was great. It was a little clunky, but um, our YA novel, Please Send Help, is coming out July 16th, anywhere books are sold. Oh, yeah. And um, and you can also get it along with our merch, which is at podswag.com slash between us. Uh, and you can get our book, I Hate Everyone But You, the first one. And then this one is a sequel. You can't get that there, though. No, but you can get the first one. You're just trying to promote our merch. Yeah. I did it really poorly. That's okay. Anyway, buy our book. Buy our merch. Yes. Venmo us $5. Please. Also, uh, Bad With Money has merch, too. Uh, It's at uh, podswag.com slash money. It's for pride. Part of the proceeds go to the LGBT Center in L.A. Um, So that's just a quick one for you guys if you celebrate pride. 
This week, we've got an excellent episode. We're talking to Melissa Stripe about sex education. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about toxic family members during topics. (laughs) (laughs) But first, hit it! International question! International question! International question! Anna Nicaragua. Nice. That's not her real name. She asked for an alias. I know. I read the question. And she recommended Anna. I read it. So Anna from Nicaragua says, I'm in love with my boss. Should I quit my job? Now for the deets. He is one weird dude. Not the regular guy who knows the difference between friends joking around and flat out flirting. Also doesn't understand that most of what he does, his boss and his girlfriend would probably consider wildly inappropriate. He tickles me in various body parts, texts at weird hours. He's obsessed with my ex and doesn't think that we should see each other. I can't really quit my job because the situation in my country is not ideal right now. And then she told us to Google it. Yeah, she told us to Google Nicaragua. (laughs) Um, So quitting would be very bad for me. Being in love with him makes it hard to do my job. It affects my moods. And because of it, he now thinks I'm an incredibly complicated and hard person to deal with. But in reality, it's just my frustration and sadness getting out of hand. Boss guy has a girlfriend. She's a waste of space, literally. She does nothing, treats him horribly. He changes around her, becomes quiet and submissive. Um, Everyone knows he's not in a good relationship. Everyone can see it. No one knows what he sees in her. I mean, she's not even physically attractive. Please help me. Okay. What in the gay hell? So I picked this question for a lot of reasons. And not the ones that you would think. Or maybe exactly the ones that you would think. I am shook yes does this story not have a hero or a villain no one is good in this well she does like us so (laughs) okay she likes us i'm sorry this is wild from start to finish it is and i you know and i also think so she's 26 which to me honestly is pretty young okay so let's just break this down okay number one you're not in love you're not in love um I think that to truly be in romantic love, it needs to be reciprocal. Absolutely. I think that there's pining. Yes. And there's lusting. Yes. And there's um, like, an, like an obsession. Yes. But love, like romantic love is something that is like mutual. It's something that's alive. Yes. It's something that morphs and changes and is like – and is between and is about a connection between two people. It can't be one sided. Three or four people, but everyone's got to be into it. Yes. Okay. Um. So that's number one. So let's just take that. I like that you moved in your seat to gear up more. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. you were like, hold on, let me take this fucking seriously. Okay. So one, you're not in. Love. You're not in love. Two. Um, what you're describing about this guy makes me think. Not a great guy. <laughs> oh, I don't care how weird you are. It is sexual harassment. Right. So, what- so what's happening is you are being sexually harassed at work. Right. And you think that you're in love with your harasser. Exactly. I, I think maybe it is something uh, almost like Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. Maybe that special attention that you're getting from your boss is uh, makes you feel special, which makes total sense. Here's the other thing. Fucking... How many times do we give passes to men because they're weird? Mm-hmm. Cut to... Disaster. Right. They know. They know. They fucking know. And regardless of whether or not they know, they need to change their behavior. It's still wrong. It's still wrong. You kill someone by accident, it's still manslaughter. Right. You say he's beyond weird. One can't analyze him as you do a regular guy. 
So that's He's you, not that special. You're giving him a pass that, like, maybe you could afford to someone that you weren't in the workplace with. But he is your boss, and he is in a workplace, and he has um, uh, subordinates. Yeah. And therefore, he needs to adhere to a certain, uh, like, rules. Yes. And so in terms of do you need to leave your job, no. You need to report him. You need to speak to HR yes. if you have HR. You, oh, I mean, I know it's hard to do because who knows what the implica- like who knows how it'll come back on you. But you do say that his boss would view it as inappropriate. So maybe go to his boss. I think you need to go to his boss, and I think that you can say, "Look, obviously, this guy, you know, operates maybe on a different wavelength than me and the rest of us. But I think it would I would really appreciate it if you had a conversation with him about what is and isn't appropriate, especially when it comes to physical touch at the office. Yes. Uh, please don't say that it came from me. But I think that that kind of needs to happen for this to be like a workable environment. I hate the thing of like, he's just on a different wavelength. He's just a different guy. He's just different. That's why he's like patting people on the ass. And that's why he's like, we we give so much like, oh, he's just like, a di- he's just sees things differently to like dudes who behave that way. If a woman behaved that way, we would be like, get her out of here. Yeah. So let's review. You're not in love. You're not in love. Uh, he's acting inappropriately and you should not excuse his behavior. Yes. You need to talk to his superior about changing your boss's behavior and you can stay in your job. Yeah, I don't think you need to quit, but I think you need to say something. But also, you know, it is often tough for women to say something because then it might come back on them. Absolutely. So, you know, think through the options at your job. Is there an HR? Uh, How approachable is his superior? Um, Is there another person in the office that you can go have that conversation with as well? Like, can you have backup? Do multiple people feel this way? It's it's better in groups. He's Um, affecting your moods. Like, if you you claim to be in love with him, but if you're in love with someone who's making you feel like shit all the time, then, again, (laughs) circle back to number one, baby. You're not in love. You're not in love. Also, can we talk about the last paragraph? That's where I really want to get to. Okay. Oh, what do you have to say? Um... I'm furious. <laughs> I do not like the way that she is describing another woman. That's the problem. You give this guy so much leeway. He's allowed to do whatever he wants. He's just misunderstood. He's just whatever. And uh, as soon as you talk about a woman, you all of a sudden are like, there's no leeway. She's a cartoon villain. She has no redeeming qualities. She's horrible. And then you go on to be like, she's not even physically attractive, which, by the way, has nothing to do with a person's worth. So you have what is called internalized misogyny. And that means that the you this is the thing is that you view men as like being cool and being someone that you want to be a part of and that's the leeway that you give them. What does he see in her? Like what is he a- attracted to in her? You don't know her. And also, it's none of your business because it's not your relationship. It's it's almost this thing where you're in love with the forbiddenness of it. Oh my god, he's my boss. Oh my god, he has a girlfriend. So the real attraction And I've been there, girl. This is my life fucking story. You are, like, in love with the whole concept of everything and how, like, dramatic and how, like, Romeo and Juliet it is. And so she's the villain. She's the enemy. But, like, you're the bad guy. Well, I mean, look, I, 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 you know, we obviously don't know the entire situation. He's the bad guy. He's the bad guy. Yeah, like, uh, obviously, you know, it is possible that – this guy is also in an unhealthy relationship. The issue is that that that's not that's not your problem, and it's not really your place to to judge it. 
I mean, obviously, there is a scenario where, like, yes, this woman does suck. The issue is that, like, sure. that's not that's not our main problem here. Yeah. <laughs> like, our main problem here is, like, an abuse of power that your boss is using. Yeah. Um, a belief that you have feelings for him that are probably not true or valid or healthy. We yeah. know that they're not healthy. And then maybe a misguided view of the situation instead of, like, how do I get past these feelings? It's sure. like, how do I get this woman out of the way? Sure. And instead, you should just focus on you know, working through these confusing feelings you have for your boss, realizing that they're not healthy, that making they're probably your, not valid. Making your job situation safe for you. Yeah, and and kind of going that route. If he's trying to control, if he's even like, don't see your ex, so, or he's already controlling. This is not somebody that you want in your life romantically. Absolutely not. Let me tell you something. Anna, you're beautiful. I don't even care what you look like. You're beautiful. You've, you're 26. You're never going to look better than you do right now. Your skin is flawless you're probably just like you you drink like four tequilas and you wake up with no hangover like your life is stunning right now you get rid of this person thrive at your job become fucking ceo of your company and never think about this guy again yes redirect your energy to how do you become great at your job you know don't let him affect your moods like that don't give him that power yeah focus on you girl wow you got riled I hate this shit. <laughs> if you want to submit your international question and have Gabby yell at you, <laughs> send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. Stick around because we've got a juicy interview with Melissa Stripe. Just between us. Hey. Just between Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions. Today, our guest is Melissa Stripe. She is a sex educator, comedian, and reproductive rights advocate, and a person I know in real life. Hello. Welcome. Um, So you are a sex educator. That's right. And how did you get into that? (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) Yeah, I, um, I... Felt like so. I grew up in Ridgewood, New Jersey, where Mm -hmm. we had amazing comprehensive sex ed in my public school. And I feel like I was so lucky. I had this teacher named Ms. Shalom, and she she was so there was this class that everyone knew you were supposed to take. It was called Patterns of Adult Living. And it was a very weird (laughs) title. And everyone's like, You gotta take this class. I was like, Okay, I'm gonna take that class. So took the class and it was amazing. She just she was this um, comprehensive sex ed kind of activist in the eighties and she was just like, I'm gonna teach comprehensive sex ed, um, you know, in my to my students. So what was was amazing about it? So she she would do um, the question box thing, which I think is very common in sex ed. Like anyone can ask any question and then she answers it. Right. But she would answer them so non-judgmentally. And it was like the first, I remember the feeling of being like, wow, this is the first time an adult is actually wanting to hear our questions and then answering them. What were some of the questions? Do you remember? Yeah. I remember someone asked a question about uh, pleasure. And Uh I remember being like, oh, she's not going to answer this one. (laughs) And she was like, yeah. So people can experience pleasure during sex. And People may choose to be in different positions when they're engaging in sex. And I was like, oh, my God. It was, and it, But it totally was, like, just facts. And mm-hmm, then right. we moved on. I remember a question about, like, oral sex. Like, is swallowing sperm okay? And she was like, it can lead to STDs. And, you know, it's something that you want to use protection for. But it was just, like, so factual. I was like, wow, 
I want to do that someday. Like, I want to be able to talk about this. Oh my so God. seriously, like that high school experience, I studied it all throughout college. And I was wow. like, does she know the effect she had on you? Yeah, I think I emailed her and she was like, excellent, you know? So. <laughs> she, she's a very factual woman. Yeah, yeah it's She's a, changing lives all over. Seriously, it's like a very, you know, specific thing to seek out as a career, I think. Yeah. Well, so, what did you study in college? Well, I did gender studies. It was called women's studies. And now it's yeah. called gender studies. And um, yeah, I, I did sex ed at my college and I, you know, went around to the dorms and was like, we got to talk about this. And uh, people were like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> at your college, like what kind of stuff were you doing? So a big thing, I remember we would do um, sessions about like how to talk about using protection. Cause mm -hmm. I felt like that was something people would say, oh yeah, you're supposed to use protection, but then people wouldn't know exactly what to say. So yeah. I'd be like, okay, so what if some, what are some excuses that someone might use to like not want to use protection? And then they say them and be like, okay, so what let's could, do it. Okay. okay. I think it doesn't feel as good. Mm. What is another one? I don't have it with me right now. Okay. So then I'd be like, all right, so we have some examples. These are very common reasons why someone might say, oh, let's not use protection. What could someone respond if, if someone said that? So, like, what what could you respond if someone said, oh, it doesn't feel good? Um, well, that's not worth me risking an STD or getting pregnant. Okay. Nice job. What would so you say? So the answer isn't, I'll blow you, right? <laughs> I'll just let me write that down. Just really yeah, just fast. jot or, that down. Or you can say, well, then we don't need to have sex. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. What's your answer for yours? Like, I don't um, have one with me right now. What could you respond to that? Um, Postmates exists. Have you tried? <laughs> Do they deliver that? Have you tried? They'll deliver, deliver anything. Oh boy! Have you Great. tried Postmates? Run down. Where do you live? Run down to the store. Yeah. Let's go get it. Let's go yeah. get it together. Yeah. There you go. I'm oh. doing better in this than you. Okay. Let's everyone's go. doing a really good job. <laughs> Thank you, Melissa. I think it's so like it's silly, but it's also I think it's helpful that like practice oh, what you could say. Huge. Oh, absolutely. What are some things that people are super undereducated about involving like the human body and sexuality? Hmm. Well, you know, what's interesting that I've found is that I feel like people know a lot. Like when I go into a classroom or, um, you know, to teach this stuff, I'm I'm always really surprised. Like people know stuff. Really? Yeah. I, people know like, oh, the ovaries make eggs and the da, da, da. Like people know. I think the challenges um, – how to talk about it and like how to not feel embarrassed. I think there's still words that are super taboo even in 2019. And I like think what? just the body, like vagina, clitoris, mm -hmm. penis, testicle, like there's just, you know, it, it can feel uncomfortable to talk about that. I think it's important to talk about how do, how do we bring that up with a partner? How do we talk about our body parts with a partner? So I'm, I'm usually pretty floored by the amount that people know. And then I'm like, okay, how do we, open up a place where people can ask questions, but like really talk about it. Do you still do the question box thing? Yeah, we do that um, in the classroom, of course. That, I feel like that's probably in any sex ed curriculum. Mm -hmm. It's probably the most important part. Because, you know, you come in, you're like, okay, there are these standards for what we need to teach in this topic. And like, that's all great. And in California, you know, the, the law is really amazing around sex ed. There's a lot that needs to be covered. And then giving students a chance to be like, oh, these are the questions I actually have. Mm -hmm. yeah. that, that to me is the most valuable thing. What are some of the most common questions in the box? <laughs> I mean, one that I will never forget is, um, I so they write them on pieces of paper and it's anonymous, right? So they crumple them up and they put them in the thing and then you kind of, as the educator in front of the classroom, are kind of reading them in real time and responding. So I, I get them and I'm looking and it says, um, what do vaginal fluids taste like? 
and then underneath it says, JK, it's bomb. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's like So they just wanted to show off. Yeah. So I was and like, then it wrote, This is this is Tom. <laughs> yeah, they, they do that a lot. They'll be like, Yeah, like what if what if my pubic hair is longer than my penis? This is Tom. It's like, okay, Tom, like Tom, please remember that this was an anonymous activity. Like you don't need <laughs> So I feel like there's um there's a lot of questions that you like why is it important to use condom? I mean, there's stuff that's basic, but I think behind every question, even when they seem silly like that, we answer them with complete care. And, mm -hmm. you know, just like knowing that even if something seems silly, there's a question behind it and like to really get at that. And honestly, I remember what that was like to write a question down and give it and be like waiting there so nervously <laughs> for my teacher to answer it. And then I, I want to be that person in the classroom to, to answer it and make that person feel like it was okay that I asked that. Yeah, because I think like, I mean, they have access to Google. Mm -hmm. It's not always the best results. Like what are the, what is the, not to be very uh, gender binary, but what's the split of like what the boys know versus what the girls know or like what the boys are asking versus what the girls are asking? Hmm. I don't know. There there are a good amount of questions about like the penis and like whether it should be a certain size or look a certain way. Mm -hmm. But I think there's also a lot of questions about the vagina, the vulva, what mm -hmm. that's supposed to look like. And um I yeah. Everyone's I worried that their genitals look weird. <laughs> yeah. Everyone. And I'm like, everyone can just relax about it. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Everyone's genitals are fine. Did you do you spend a lot of time talking about consent? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's arguably like the most important. I'm always like, if you don't listen to anything else, you know when teachers yeah. do that, like, this is the one thing you need to that's I, I'm like just don't listen to anything I say except for this about consent because I feel like that's that's all that. How do you discuss it? So we talk about consent for any any behavior, mm -hmm. for anything, right? It's not just about certain types of sex. It's for everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, making sure that people know they can take it back at any time, um, that it needs to be specific. Like it's not just like, oh, do you want to do it? Like what does that mean? Like, mm -hmm. again, talking about sex can mean different things to different people. Mm -hmm. Um it needs to, like you need to know what you're going into. You need to like have talked about things, know about protection or STD status and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of like an overarching thing. That, and then we help people uh, through activities figure out like how do I ask somebody for consent? Like how do I know if my partner gives consent? It's a clear, enthusiastic yes. I want to do this. There's no mm -hmm. doubt in anyone's mm -hmm. mind. Like mm, do I want to do this? Yeah. Are um, there more queer kids? I think people are more open, at least from my experience being in the classroom, people are people know all the different identities that are possible. We're like, oh, so what are some examples of gender identity people have? You know, mm -hmm. they go on and list them. And I think over the years, like I've been doing this for a decade, that it's just becoming more and more part of it. Like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, there's all these different identities, all these different possibilities. And they're like, yeah, Miss Doy, like we know. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but you're also teaching sex ed in California. Exactly. Which is exactly. probably very, very different than in other parts of the country. But you include, I mean, my sex ed included nothing about about gay sex at all. Right. And so we talk about, you know, all the different possibilities of identities. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about all the different possible sexual behaviors. So not even necessarily like linking behaviors to an orientation, but just mm -hmm. saying like, these are the people, ways some people choose to express themselves sexually. And these are possible identities. And you know, if someone's an identity that you haven't heard of before, what could you say? Mm -hmm. You could say, hey, like, can you tell me more about what that means to you? I've never heard of that identity before. You know, like just trying to like change the conversation that things don't need to be so rigid. Yeah. But if someone says, this is how I identify, great. 
Does, does lube come up as a conversation? <laughs> Gabby um, just wrote lube in script on her notes. Yeah, I'd like, <laughs> to write down, I'd like to write down what I'm about to ask like a real reporter. Um, does like conversation in, People don't know about lube. That's probably true. I mean, we mention it when we do a condom demonstration, like you can add lube. Yeah. People I guess Gabby know. wants you to talk more about lube. Yeah. No, I'm just saying. Okay, I, and you... You did a thing where you spoke to the Kardashians, mm. but there was an episode of the Kardashians where Kim was explaining lube to Courtney. Courtney did not know what lube was. Really? Yes. <laughs> As an adult, I'm I I feel for her. People don't know. I I have another question that's oh. not related to lube. <laughs> How do you know when you're ready to have sex? Wow. Yeah, that's such a good question, and I feel like we get that a lot because. People, I think, just want to know, like, am I normal? Am I on the right track? Like, mm -hmm. how am I? So I think if I were in a situation where someone asked me that, how do I know if I'm ready? I think um, I would say it's really important to kind of figure out what your own values are. We get a lot of messages about sex from our families, from our friends, from the media, from school. And it's really important to take all that into consideration and then figure out how do you feel about it personally? Like, what do you feel comfortable doing? What do you not feel comfortable doing? And sometimes it can help to, especially if it's a young person, like talking to someone you trust that's older, just to be like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. You know, how, what do you think about it? And then considering, you know, about relationships, like, do I feel like I want to be in a certain type of relationship when I do something sexual, like, ha you know, just kind of asking oneself those questions and then really encouraging that person to feel comfortable um, taking everything they've learned and figuring out what makes sense for them. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's probably not the most um, satisfying answer because it's not like, oh, well, when you're this age and when you've right. done hands to genital contact, then, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's very much about I think getting in touch with what your own personal values are and then figuring out, am I, do I feel respected? Do I feel safe doing this? Do I feel like I can communicate my boundaries, my rights, like that kind of stuff? I would, I would just encourage them in, in that way. That's beautiful. I feel like kids are so scrambled about this and there's so much media about like, I mean, the whole American Pie series or like, mm -hmm. just like, we got to lose our virginities by this time or whatever. Like, I feel like high school kids are such a, a a mess in this regard and then and then also like i don't know because in high school i'm trying to square how these high school kids sort of like know all this stuff but then you go to college and like the sexual assault statistics are so high like is it drinking like how i don't what's the disconnect that's and that's mm. a question for the room because <laughs> i it's i'm a question like, for the world you know i know because i don't well, I think that we're assuming that that kids across the country know a lot. And I don't yeah. know if we can assume that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, like you said, the, the rules in California are excellent. That's just so not the case in so many other states. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of kids go to college not knowing a lot of things. And they go to college especially not understanding consent. Yeah. Because I would think that's probably a, a newer focus in sex ed. Yeah. I mean, it's now built into the California law to talk about that. But uh, yeah, you're right. That's not the same everywhere. Um, yeah. And I think, I don't know, the way I approach it is like, I think everybody has a lot of knowledge and experience. Like young people know a lot of things, you know, they, and I think you're right. In some places, they're not given the opportunity to 
clarify myths. They're not given an opportunity mm -hmm. to build their skills to say, how could I say this in an actual relationship? Mm -hmm. But I do think people know a lot and are really smart. And then it's just, I think there's, <laughs> for a lot of reasons, there's just people who choose to violate other people's rights. And like, yeah. that's, mm -hmm. that's horrible. Do you talk about the female orgasm? <laughs> Yeah, we talk about orgasms, period, and we talk about, yeah, for all anatomies, but um, we do talk about how, <laughs> we added in a line recently, like if some, for people who have a vagina and clitoris, right, um, they may release some fluid if they have an orgasm, and they may not, and that's okay, right? Like trying to tell people yeah. that, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's... So like that it's, that it is trickier than the male, than the male genitalia that like I don't know I feel like I grew up with this expectation that sex was supposed to be a certain way and that it came easily to everybody and I now know that that's mm. not true is that addressed at all we don't talk about like oh if it's easier or harder for someone or another but um but that's interesting you mean like that like a guy I mean we've talked about like in movies that like they'll barely lift the skirt the and guy like somehow inside, inside her the girl. and then they're both immediately coming right yeah <laughs> and you're like, right Wait, what <laughs> yeah yeah I definitely don't think any media does helps anyone out by doing that like I think yeah. it's really hard it's so weird it's but hard. I feel like that's an important thing to talk about mm -hmm. to dispel that that's probably not going to be your experience yeah listeners yeah. listen just. If you're going to laugh, shit's going to look weird or it's Stuff's just not going to be... be like as, you know, like as smooth and as immediate. And yeah. Like, like you're not going to like both come at the same time every time. <laughs> and like, you know, he's I... not just going to jam it in and then you both instantly come. <laughs> <laughs> Some people maybe. Some people maybe. Right. I think that's important to say like movies and TV do not do a good job of teaching us how healthy sexual relationships look. There's never consent. There's never talk about using protection. So like, how oh. are we expecting people to be like, ah, do you feel comfortable doing this? And mm -hmm. do you have protection? Like, no, mm -hmm. like we don't have any good examples of that. So I'm, it's like asking people in the classroom, like you can change this, like mm -hmm. by talking about this with people, you know, and yeah. changing the culture around it. I have one final question. Mm. Do you uh, put a condom on a banana? We have uh, wooden kind of penis models that we use to show, you know, how to – the steps of using a condom. Why not a banana? Because um, we kind of want to, like – No, I understand. Take it away. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. We're now moving on to uh, an equally important part of this podcast. Would you like to play a game with us? Absolutely. It's a game show. It's a game show called Hypotheticals, where I give you a scenario and you decide what you would do. Great. Um, here is our first game within the game, entitled, Are You a Terrible Parent? Mm. During rush hour traffic, a large van cuts you off, and you scream, Fuck you, you motherfucker, I'll kill you, even though your three-year-old is in the back seat. Later, a stranger tries to talk to your child at the mall, and your child screams, Fuck you, you motherfucker, I'll kill you. <laughs> the stranger was Santa. Are you a terrible parent? <laughs> no. No? I mean, I think you have to say, like, hey, don't say that. Hey, don't I... You know that thing where you, you lie to them and you say, oh, I'm sorry, only people over 18 are allowed to curse. Mm. Legally, I'm allowed to curse, oh, but legally. you're not. Yeah, okay. you lie. You say, look, kid, I'm so sorry, but when you turn 18 is when you're allowed to curse. And what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the the Santa thing kind of threw me because I'm like, okay, you know, I think it's I think it's fine, but I agree, you gotta, 
follow up with a little bit of, let's not use that language in this family. But what if it's keeping them from going away with strangers? Oh, that's true. That's fine. You know, (laughs) I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. <laughs> okay, so you're a great parent in this situation. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, we really I turned think you that around. Have, I think you should have told them specifically. It shouldn't have been an accident. You should have said, hey, if anyone tries to take you, scream, you're a shit motherfucker, whatever it was. Fuck you, you motherfucker. I'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. So, wait, that. Santa was trying to take them? Uh, Santa was just talking to them. Santa, oh. like, approached them, and then they screamed. Fuck you, you motherfucker. I'll kill you. <laughs> I think oh. you should teach your kid if any stranger tries to take them to scream that. Yes. That's yeah. a great way to not get kidnapped. Parents, listen up. Yeah. Incredible. We all learned something from nice that job. one. Nice job. We rarely learn anything from hypotheticals. <laughs> <laughs> Our next game, would you stay with this cheater? Mm. Ready. Do you know this one? It's a classic. I've heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard of this classic game. Your significant other of three years confesses to cheating on you while they are doing it. They are, feel so guilty they FaceTime you mid-coitus. What? Would you stay with this cheater? <laughs> I'm sorry. Hold on. What What are we seeing when they FaceTime? Um, Like you see like their face and like kind of like bobbing up and down. <laughs> so they're on top? Yeah. They're, which is annoying because they never go on top for you. <laughs> Oh, my God. Um, well, I would think at least they could have stopped and then FaceTimed me. So you're upset that they're still going. Yeah, they're still doing it? Well, yes. is it par- is that part of it for them? Are they getting off on, like, fucking with you? I think that they, you know, they felt it was rude to stop, but they also had to call you. Well, this ties into Melissa's thing that you could stop at any time. Thank it's never you. rude. It's never rude. Would you stay? I mean... Isn't there always like another twist and you're like, oh yeah, and it's like also Santa Claus or whatever? I don't like that you've seen a this show. True <laughs> listener. It, it's easier to get you when you don't know what's coming. Okay, so <laughs> my God. Is, that, is, that, is it going to be a Santa Claus situation? I don't know. Okay. I love it. Because I it, guess I would be like, no, like I'm not. I'm not. You'd break up with them yeah. during the FaceTime? Yeah, yeah. That's I, the right call. They're fucking your mom. Whoa. Oh. That's my favorite First twist. of all, I don't know how we can use this in the future, but I loved the question, is this going to be another Santa Claus situation? <laughs> 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 and the exasperatedness to which you said, is this going to be another Santa Claus situation? Because that'll change my answer. <laughs> to what? Oh, wow. So, okay, so if... Reveal it's Santa Claus that they're fucking. How does that change your answer? A mall Santa or the real Santa? Real. The real Santa, <laughs> that's totally different. Like, I yeah. feel like I'd have to be like, yeah. I understand. Well, <laughs> our final game. Is this person an alien or just strange? While at your spouse's boss's house, okay. you see Spouse. their wife Wait. pour a packet of stevia directly in their mouth before <laughs> drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> when, she, when she sees you looking at her, she says... <laughs> That really got me. She says, this helps my belly. I have a bad belly. (laughs) Is this person an alien or just strange? I I guess I feel like this person... It's just the stevia is probably yummy in their tummy. Oh, my God. It helps their belly. Yeah. I support it. Oh, my God. What's the question? Are they an alien or are they just strange? (laughs) Yeah, I don't think they're... No, they're not an alien. They just like stevia yummy in their tummy. (laughs) 
First of all, I hate you. <laughs> Second of all, um, wow. Um, I I think they're an alien, and I think the boss is an alien, and I think your spouse is an alien. Mm. Everyone's an alien, but <laughs> why did your dog just look up at you like? <laughs> Everyone's an alien, but you. It's the fucking Truman Show. Uh, incorrect. Only the wife is an alien and she is a different digestive system. <laughs> and that's why the stevia helps her bad belly. <laughs> what oh what does she mean by bad belly? Ouch. But Oochie, like what? Oochie. Like gas pains? Uh, yeah. And then and then the stevia does what exactly? It calms it. And that's why she came to Earth. Because the only thing that calms her bad belly is stevia. Well, that's lovely because then she met someone. She got, she got married. married. Yeah, She's... but you're about to expose her and ruin everything. <laughs> so what if I don't expose her? Then she'll help you, and she has healing powers. She can help heal anything other than a bad belly. (laughs) (laughs) This is, by the way, like talking to a child, because there's an answer always. Mm, Isn't there? Yeah, that's a good... Wow. Anyway, let's all head out of here and pour some stevia directly in our mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Melissa, where can we find you if you want to be found? (sighs) If I want to be found, um, I'm on YouTube. Oh. Where? It's www.youtube.com. And then, oh, my name is Melissa Strife. (laughs) (laughs) I have a question. I have a hypothetical. Is this person an alien or just strange? What she just did. did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That and Instagram, my name is The Big Lissa, which was my Skype name in like 2006. And I was like, I'm keeping that. So it's nice. The Big Lissa. (laughs) Great. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. And we hope that you learned as much from us as we learned from you. Impossible. (laughs) Uh, Stick around after the break. We'll be talking about toxic family members. Ooh. How fun. Just between us, it's time for topics. X, 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 X. This week, I want to talk toxic family members. What? Gabby, do you know anything about that? I'm going to kill you. What? Um, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, what do you have to say on the topic, Allison? I. <laughs> please, please, please. Actually, look, like, I, as, as fans of the show know, I have an incredibly great relationship with my parents. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was blessed to have that. But, you know, I I see a lot in my in my friends and in my family. There are people that make your life worse. Uh-huh. And sometimes those people will be your coworkers or your college roommate. Sure. And sometimes it will be somebody that's related to you by blood. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to dispel this idea that because someone is your family, you have to be there for them and you have to maintain a relationship with them. Oh. And that you and that you owe them and that they can do no they can do no unexcusable wrong. Correct. Oh, you can cut people off whenever you want. But I think that a lot of people think that they can't. No, I know. I know. I know. And I think there's a lot of stuff with like people saying like, well, you know, but it's my mom or exactly. whatever. But if someone is like abusing you or is like saying terrible shit to you or, or like you you don't have to stand for it. You don't have to sit and take it. And it doesn't make you a bad person because I think that there's so much guilt involved Mm -hmm. in that. And and like you're like, but it's your mother. Exactly. And also there's also going to be 
uh, I think there's self-judgment on mm-hmm, cutting mm-hmm. someone out of your life who's family. And, and then there's also judgment of other people. Other people are like, you don't talk to your dad? Oh, my God. Like, they get so fucking weird about it. But what you have to realize is that other people are wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, Let me... Think about all the ridiculous things that people believe. Mm-hmm. People believe climate, Scientology. Yeah, people believe in Scientology. People believe climate change isn't real. Sure. People believe flat earthers. Yeah, flat earthers. You know, like there's like people they believe anti vax. Like they think the moon landing was real. I mean, come on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that that was real, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so I think that like we always think that these people that judge us that they're right. Yeah. But you just have to, like, blow it out and realize that people are wrong about stuff all the time. Also, there's this thing of, like, well, but they raised you. so And it's like, oh, they did the bare fucking minimum. Mm-hmm. Oh, they had a child and then they raised it. So They, they had deserve, a child and you're still alive. Yeah, so they deserve a medal. And, like, you know, also there's the complication of, like, okay, so let's say you want to cut somebody out and your the rest of your family doesn't want to. Yeah. So what does that conversation look like? Yeah, so let me let me talk to you about a little something called boundaries. Yeah. I didn't have any. <laughs> and then one day, I woke up, and the good Reverend Allison Raskin said to me, you should have some boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay. And so basically, uh, I was completely, and I love my parents. I was very under their thumb, and I would never like speak up for myself. And to be honest, and let me say, I was only able to start asserting boundaries once I had made my own money. Yeah, you need financial independence. That was huge. Because before when I needed their money for stuff, like, or when I, I relied on them for things, um, it like, I had no recourse. I had no leverage. Mm-hmm. So that's super hard. Uh, the only way that I was able to start asserting myself was when I made my own money. And I just was like, I don't want to do anything that I don't want to do. That's it. I don't want to do anything that I don't want to do. And so, like, when I went home to visit them, uh, there was one time where I didn't want to stay at the house. I wanted to stay at a hotel. I didn't want to stay at the house. The house was chaotic. Mm -hmm. There were other family members there that I don't like for for a lot of reasons. And so I was like, I'm going to stay at a hotel. And they were very mad, very mad. Because they wanted to control when they could see me. They wanted to control the whole situation. And I was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to be staying at a hotel in South Florida. If you guys are too mad to see me, I understand. And I'll have a lovely vacation on my own. But if you guys do want to see me, I will come to the house and see you. And then I realized I had the power. (laughs) Because they want to see you more than you want to see them. Yeah. But it that was, like, very hard, and I was only able to do that because I could pay for my own hotel. Right. So, and then um, I think that, but my parents are not the main problem for me. Right. At all. My parents are uh, uh, very lovely and um, very understanding and very, uh, uh, you know, they have their quirks, but they're not toxic, really. They, they ask a lot of me. Um, and like they, it, it's, it makes me see then I'm like, I'm a bad person. But uh, there's a lot of, I will say historically in my family, there's a lot of disregard or dehumanization of me. I don't know how to explain it. There's like, I exist for other people, basically, mm-hmm. within my family. Like, I'm the helper. Like, I'm the person who exists for everybody else. So when that starts to get to be too much, my new sentence is I just say, 
I do not have the capacity for this. Oh, I like that. I just say because no is a complete sentence. Did you know that? Sure. You can just, you can just, <laughs> if, you can just say. I thought you were going to say more. <laughs> no, listen, you can just, someone can say uh, this, 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 and you just go, no. Yeah. And you don't have to say why. You don't. You don't, you can say, I don't want to. Yeah. Done. You, nobody, that's it. That's your boundary. So no is a complete sentence, which I really had to learn with family members who overstep. And then, and then here's the problem. The family narrative has a little bit become Gabby is a bitch. Okay. So you have to, you have to be willing to not care about that. I also think it really helps if you have people on your side. Yeah. You know, because if you're just, like, going out against this thing on your own, then, like, mm-hmm. people saying you're a bitch, it's going to, like, stick with you. What you need is yeah. you need a friend, you need a confidant, you maybe need a professional, and you need to explain the situation to them mm-hmm. and say, this is what happened, this is how I'm going to respond, and have them go, good. Mm-hmm. That's the right response. The way that you're, the way that these people are acting is inappropriate and it's and it's harmful and it's toxic and like I stand by your decision I think that that can help a lot Mm -hmm. because when you're just with your family you get stuck in these old patterns Patterns. and things that that like should not be normalized have been normalized yes and they can kind of gaslight you Mm -hmm. and so I think it is really important to involve people not in the family Mm -hmm. to get their point of view Mm -hmm. and for them to say no what you're doing is actually the healthy reasonable thing to do yes you, I, I've told you before that, like, if you saw me with my entire family, you would not recognize me. Yeah. I turn into the wallpaper. I just try to, I mean, that's also growing up in an alcoholic home. I just try to fucking stay out of it. I turn into, like, I'm just like, please, nobody look at me. <laughs> I hope that I can get through this entire dinner with no one looking at me. Um, And so, like, and I think that's because, like, there's so much chaos and, like, Cheyenne, my sister, is the opposite. She's, like, the screaming banshee in the middle. She's like that, you know, in Harry Potter where the mail opens and it screams? That's yep. her. So, <laughs> so like, I would just sort of try to, like, not I, – I would just sort of try to disappear. But that's not health. That's not what I'm really like. No. That's not what I, like, you know. And I – it's hard. I know why you brought up this topic. And – it is a little bit difficult. Let me see if I can do it vaguely. So I have a family member who is um, like, I would say like sl- slightly dangerous, very inappropriate, has done some stuff that has been very detrimental to me, and has also done some stuff that is just like, um, like traumatizing a little bit. And and is also someone who doesn't have any boundaries, so can kind of show up at any time. Yeah. Um, and has done that. And there was a lot of pressure to just be like, to just accept, to just accept it, to just be like, that's not what we do in this family. We don't be estranged. Like we don't, you know, like there was so much, I mean, forcing of of us to go see him and like literally like forcing like being like tricking like there was a time when uh, someone in my family we got in the car and this person said okay we're going one place and then started driving a different place and then me and my sister were like where are we going and he was trying to trick us into going to see the other family member and he knew that we wouldn't go willingly and Cheyenne almost fucking opened the door on the highway (laughs) so like 
And look, if you have, and also as a parent, if you have a, a, some kids who really don't like a family member and don't want to see them, mm-hmm. don't be like, oh, go hug your uncle, blah, blah, blah. Because like, that kid might know something. You know what I mean? Like, a- absolutely. Do- oh, don't he's force, family. Don't force your kids ever to, to be physical with other family members or with anybody. Or to see a family member that they, maybe the question is, why don't we want to see him? Hmm? Mm-hmm. Maybe sit us down and ask us that. So like I've and I've that never happened. It was always like, and I have talked to Cheyenne about this. It's always like you're being difficult, you're being impossible, you're making this family event uncomfortable, or whatever. Um, and so like I, I, you know, there's there's been now conversations where I've like, and I'm very close to my sister, where I've been like, we don't have to see him ever again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, but what if? But what if? I don't care. We don't ever ha- if we don't want to, we don't have to. And if it's like, hey, he's going to be at this thing, guess what? We're not going. But that's been an evolution recently. Oh, that's like, I mean, that's, it took me 30 years to get there. Yeah, you know like what I mean? When I met you, that was not the case. The idea that I would cut someone out mm-hmm. was, I, I just felt that I couldn't. It was, it would cause so much. I mean, like, I'm, this is like getting whatever real, but like my, my grandmother, when she was alive, she would, if me and my sister said we didn't want to see this person, she would, like, start crying. Really? Yes. Like, like genuinely or to guilt trip you? I don't know. I mean, but she would be like, you're tearing the family apart. You don't love us. Like, it was, like, this huge, huge thing. I also have never understood why the priority is put on the, the toxic family member and not the people that they're affecting. Yeah. Especially because if you're looking at numbers, it's you know, two against one, why is, why is all the, you know, allowances made for that one person? I, I don't understand it either. I and it's really just because they're, they're, they're acting out and they're behaving terribly, but the only thing they're not doing is saying, I don't want to see them. Yeah. It's this thing of like, I mean, I think my family's very scared of estrangement because there's been a lot of estrangements. So I think they're really, there's an emphasis put on like, don't make the mistake that we made or whatever, but possibly those estrangements were correct. Right. Like, I grew up. I grew up where uh, an aunt in my life. I I've met her once, mm-hmm. um, and she, and I met her at the same time that one of my parents met her for the first time. So you know, yeah. like this person was not in our lives for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I grew up real thinking that that was okay. Yeah, that like if if there is a falling out, then there's a falling out, and that's just like what happens. Like I was never forced to believe that like yeah. your family member is gonna be in your life no matter what. And I don't just mean a falling out. I'm talking about like people who feel guilty not going to see family members who like abuse them. Right. I just feel very strongly that that you can have a chosen family mm-hmm. and that you don't have to I'm in awe of friends of mine who have like come out and their parents like fully are against them and like fully think they're going to hell and like do not talk to them unless it's to say like you need Jesus and they still go and visit and they still go and and it's like I can't judge that like I understand I I, I understand that it's hard but it's also like fuck man like you you if that wasn't your mom you wouldn't need to be around that negativity Exactly. Like, these people are in your life by mere circumstance and by luck, and that doesn't mean that they deserve to be in your life. Exactly. Like, people deserve to – like, people either deserve to be in your life or they don't deserve to be in your life. And it doesn't matter your relationship to them. Yeah. And if they don't make you feel good, then, like, get rid of them. And also, like, 
I mean, but I feel, let me just say, like, I'm not saying this flippantly. I feel immense guilt. Yeah. Immense guilt. Like, so much guilt. And, like, stuff is brought up, like, that's just, like, well, remember when this person did this for you when you were a baby? How dare you do that? Like, I mean, it is deep. It is deep, 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 deep. Um, and I'm just like, I can't, I'm not, I can't, I'm not doing it. I, I, and, but I feel awful about it. But I also am like, don't you feel like it's less bad to feel the guilt than to have to continue to interact with that person? Oh, it's much better to not have to. Yeah. I mean, it, it like, I don't know. I don't want to get into the whole thing, but I would like hide my location sometimes on, on social media. Yeah. Like that's, f- and I'm just like normal, like this is, oh, you know, like when we were on tour. I know. I was like, oh, so heads up, um, I have to sort of hide my location because of this like crazy relative and people were, and like, I'm saying it like it's normal and people were like, I'm sorry, you what? <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but you just well, that's another so thing used to, to talk about. Exactly. Is like, sometimes you need to take a step back and, and think about what you would think of the situation if someone else described it to you. Right. Because you're in it and you've been living with it forever. So you're like, well, I can tolerate this. I'm living yeah. with it. It's my life. But like if you someone else told you what had happened and what the dynamic was, you would be like, well, don't talk to that person. Exactly. And so you kind of got to take a step back and look at it objectively if you can. And I felt very bad. Like, I mean, I ended up sort of like telling security not to let you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I feel like that was so hard. It's also a weird added thing when you're like sort of a public person. And a lot of the other stuff that this person did was like giving my phone number to fans and, like, other weird shit, selling They my, did that? Are you kidding me? Threatened to sell stuff of mine on eBay. I know, eBay. that part. No, gave my, fully gave my phone number to, like, fans that I was, like, getting texts. But but that's recent. I'm This is, like, you know, and also probably not relatable. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just, like, you, you do – it, it's – it's hard. It's let me say also the, the around the thing of like becoming the bitch in the family is that other people in the family will try to talk you out of it. Mm-hmm. And then I, so I just have to be okay with people with people thinking knowing that people in my family think that I'm difficult. Yes. And I just have to be like, okay, you think I'm difficult. I think that there's also steps. Yeah. I think that the first step is trying to I mean it's different I think if there's abuse, but if it's um in, in other cases, there's like you, you know, you put up those boundaries and yes. you and you ask people to respect those boundaries. Yes. And then when they don't, yes, then it's okay to leave. What's great is with a boundary is that you can set up boundaries. And then in my like my situation, I set up boundaries, and then everyone goes, "Gabby's a bitch." And then I, uh, and then I say, and then when they break them, I go, "Well, now my reason for not continuing this relationship mm-hmm. is because you broke." The rules. Right. Like there's a direct. It helps to have something to point to. Yes. Like specifics, you know. Yes. And so like it's harder to, to gaslight you when you have like facts and specifics. I mean, I don't know if this is like. And then and then I'm even worrying. I'm like, is this going to make me sound terrible? I don't think so. Because. I think it makes you sound brave. Oh, my God. I do. I think you've been super brave dealing with this. You know, I think in a lot of ways that the easier, you know, way to go would have been to just put up with it and to let this person keep kind of, you know, having a hugely negative effect on your life. And instead, you stood up for yourself. Yeah, I can't do it anymore. I'm proud and of I'm you. just not gonna. Yeah. And I will say I think it has to do with Judaism, too, because I think a lot of times Jews are really, um, like, really stick in their craw about 
family has to stay together and family has to uh, be together and forgive each other and all this stuff because of the Holocaust. <laughs> it's it true. all comes back to the Holocaust. I think it's true. I think Jewish families in particular, and possibly, I mean, if you're Jewish, like, let me know, but I'm Jewish, you're Jewish. I think there's something to that about like, being like, we don't go against the family. The family needs to stick together at all times. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but you have to, you have to again, take that step back and look at the specifics of you in this scenario and how it's making you feel. Oh, absolutely. And you see a lot of people posting on like Mother's Day and Father's Day being like, hey, if you don't have a good relationship with your, uh, with your like mom or dad, like you don't have, this day sucks, but like, you don't have to, I don't like this generic, like, she's your mom, so you owe her stuff, or like, your dad is the best. It's like, maybe they're, they're, maybe they're, maybe not. they're not. Think about all the shitty people you meet in your life. A lot of them have kids. Exactly. And like, just like, have your chosen family. On that beautiful note, let's invite our producer, Melissa, in here to give us a rating. So, Melissa, this is your first time giving us a show rating. Yeah, I'm a little nervous. Why? Do you want us to rate you at the end of this? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Wait, explain. Melissa, you're our, you're our new producer. Yeah. And, and where are your past credits? <laughs> my past and current. They're still current. Yeah, you're your other yeah. credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, produce other podcasts, Not Too Deep with Grace Helbig, Don't Blame Me with Megan Rinks, and Directionally Challenged with Candace King and Kayla Yule. And so she's highly recommended, highly credentialed. Highly qualified. Highly qualified. Uh, and now you're producing just between us. Yeah. And now are we your favorite? Or? <laughs> I don't pick favorites. Okay, tell me off, Mike. And now oh. we're, um, <laughs> we did say uh, you will be participating in the show yeah. as the producer. <laughs> I mean, I'm on mic all the time. This is just a different different scenario so a more high stakes one i yes. gotta yeah i just i just gotta do it you know just get it over let's with. rip the band-aid off mm-hmm. what do you rate us 4.78 condoms whoa <laughs> you ever had 0. 0.7 of a condom 0. 0.78 0. 0.78, 0. 0.78 you ever had well if point- you do you're in big trouble <laughs> I knew that's uh, when you gotta get some plan b it's like uh saran wrap <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, what's ended me is stevia and saran wrap. (laughs) Okay. Um, What would you rate it, Gabby? I rate it uh, 4.9 out of 5 vulvas. Okay. Ooh. Um, I would would rate it uh, 7 out of 6 educated. Okay. Oh, 7 out of 6 educated what? Don't ask. Okay. Because educated is a adjective. Why are you, why, everyone says weird things. Why okay. are you challenging <laughs> my sorry. thing? I'm sorry. Fine. <laughs> uh, what did everybody learn? Oh, my God. I learned so much. I learned that, like, sex ed is better now than it was when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh. Well, in some places. That's true. I was in Florida. Right. And a At teacher, a religious school. <laughs> a teacher did try to show us how to put a tampon in using a marker. So. Like, on herself? Yeah, but like not, she was fully clothed, but she had a skirt on and she stood with her legs open and was like, and then you just go, whoop. No. Oh, it was scary. I have a lot of thoughts about that. (laughs) Because on the one hand, kind of cool. Is it? I don't know. Like it's kind of destigmatizes it. Sure. It's like, I I have a vagina. I do this. This is how I do it. But she didn't really explain it. So I was just like, it was like a magician. Like, where'd the marker go? (laughs) Sleight of hand. It was some sleight of hand. Well, yeah. 
So I learned a lot. I mean, I love how frank Melissa is about things. I love how she's just able to, like, you know, she's just able to say it like it is and it's not a big deal. And I'm sure that makes the kids feel Mm -hmm. really, like, seen and and not embarrassed, which is perfect. Absolutely. What did you learn, Melissa? I learned that California has a law that you have to teach sex education, Mm -hmm. which I didn't know. I didn't know that at all. And I was just trying to think back to when I was in school if it – if I even learned anything. I learned about like periods, but I don't remember ever learning about sex education. I like that consent has been added yeah, to me the too. curriculum. Oh, thank, thank God. God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I did when I was in like seventh grade, they taught us about STDs, but it was weird because they taught with like this woman came in and she was teach she like put glitter on her hand and she was walking around shaking people's different people's hand and if you had the glitter that meant you had the std <gasps> what and so like by the time it got to my class it had already been done a few times and so like people were laughing about it and she was furious she was like this is not a joke it's like you're teaching with glitter like, oh my god yeah that's crazy yeah and i don't think we learned anything about consent no. I thought you meant on this podcast. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. In my school, in my school. Yeah, no, probably not. I'm, Melissa is just a, a gem and a resource, and I think it's so cool that she just saw this teacher when – like, that's the impact teachers can have, mm-hmm. that she saw this teacher when she was in school, and she went on to, like – it went on to make her who, who she is, and she's doing the Lord's work, and it's like – And I love that the teacher does not care. <laughs> oh, perfect. Incredible. <laughs> Thank you so much to Melissa Stripe for being a guest. Just Between Us is hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Our engineer is Brendan Burns. He also composed our killer theme music. Our producers are Kristen Torres and Melissa D. Montz. Our supervising producer is Josephine Martirana. Our executive producer is Chris Bannon. Just Between Us is a production of Stitcher. I can't believe they don't use bananas anymore. Well, she did say they had like a wooden replica of a penis, which is incredible. I remember my science teacher being like, oh, this banana's the right size. Ew! Tune in next week! Stitcher. The mob, the mafia, the syndicate, the family. Once you're in, you're in, you can't get out. What we know about the mafia, it's all about the guys. But there's another side of the mob in the 20th century, and it's just as dangerous, but in a totally different way. Especially if you're a gay man, a drag queen, or a woman. We're talking about the underworld of New York City's very first drag clubs and the woman. That's right. A woman who ran them. A woman named Anna Genovese. Anna was the goddess. She's a tough old bird. Who was this mob queen with the insight and ability to write her own ticket in a man's world? That's what we want to know. Who is Anna Genovese? Mob Queens is out now. You can listen on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.